But why do I find when these systems fail me that none of that shit you just described is the part that fails? It's like the fucking credit card reader or the screen or some shit that is like totally settled science at this point. My honest opinion is pe- they don't care. <laughs> yeah. it's ch- in some cases, it's cheaper if no one ever plugs in. Right. So, like, right. they're not financially incentivized to serve the end user. Right. They're financially <laughs> incentivized to sit there and never be used. We basically. see this far too often. Since we started this rate your charge thing, we have people tagging us on uh, charging stations. I cannot tell you how many charging stations we found that have been installed one, two, three years ago that have never been switched on because they just got all the funding to put it in, big project, and they're just offline waiting. Wow. Yeah, it's crazy. Hey, folks, today's episode is brought to you in part by Viore. I love Viore, and since we've started reading ads for them, I've gotten emails from a couple people who have bought Viore shirts and and pants and shorts and loved it. I am literally wearing a Viore T-shirt right now. In this episode you're watching, I'm wearing a flannel uh, overshirt and a Viore T-shirt under it. I wear them literally every day. It's a totally new perspective on performance apparel. It's perfect if you're sick and tired of traditional old workout gear. And yes, everything is designed to work out in, but it doesn't look like it or feel like it. It's so comfortable, you're going to want to wear it all the time. And in fact, I do wear it all the time. I wear it out. I wear it to work. I wear it uh, at the gym. I wear it to Pilates class. I wear it under a sweater when I go to dinner. I wear it under a blazer. I mean, it's just, it's good for everything. It's incredibly versatile. It can be used for any activity. Uh, it's just, they're just the best shirts. And if you're like me, when it's hot out, you can get a little sweaty. And I, my favorite thing by far about Viore shirts, especially compared to like traditional cotton shirts, is they don't show sweat. It breathes great, but it doesn't sweat stain. You don't have those like pools of like water. It just somehow magically doesn't show sweat. It's great. It's designed to look great in everyday life, perfect for any workout. I can keep reading these things, but the bottom line is I have replaced – 90% of the t-shirts in my closet with Viore shirts. They've also got the men's core shorts, super comfortable lined athletic short, good for any sport. I wear those when I go hiking. And then the men's Sunday performance jogger, which is what Zach wears all the time. He doesn't like jeans, so he messes with those pants. Good for lounging, working out, long drives. Uh, perfect. Also available as a short. Uh, I love Viore. They do a great great job and they got good sweatshirts and hoodies also i got a viore hat you might be seeing that that mustard colored hat a knit cap i'm wearing in some videos recently that's viore it's an investment in your happiness for our listeners they're offering 20 percent off of your first purchase get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet at v-u-o-r-i.com slash t-s-t it's viore but it's print spelled vuori v u o r i dot com slash t s t twenty percent off your first purchase and free shipping on any uh, order in the u s over seventy five dollars and free returns viori dot com slash t s t and discover the versatility of viori clothing. I love it. you will too also of course, the patreon. 
the best website in the world, patreon.com slash the smoking tire podcast. You can get our podcast ad free. You can ask our questions of our guests in a private uh, commenting and questioning environment. You can get the live stream and watch our podcast live, interact with us live on the air. You can get an ad free listening experience. You can get the show the same day it's recorded and not have to wait till Tuesday, Thursday. And our new, ch- uh, you get an extra podcast every month at the Pro Driver tier. And our new championship tier, you get the Smoking Tire car review videos ad free as well. It is excellent. Patreon.com slash the Smoking Tire podcast. All right. On this episode of the program, Kyle Connor is in the building. Now, Kyle uh, has so many YouTube channels, I don't even know what to say he's from. Out-of-spec motoring, out-of-spec reviews, virtual Kyle. Basically, he's he's got an interesting strategy for YouTube, and he's going to tell us about how it works on this episode of the show. But more importantly, Kyle is um, really gone headfirst into the EV space. He is really forming a, uh, a balanced opinion about how EVs work, how the charging network works. He has a new company called Rate Your Charge, allowing people to provide in uh, real-time feedback on the charge networks. He's got a Rivian, a Tesla, a, a Twizy. He's buying all these electric cars like almost like a consumer reports of electric cars. And so we talked to him about all kinds of things uh, related to EV, the infrastructure, uh, the pros and cons, why you should or should not buy an EV, uh, and more. He was actually the first guest in our new studio here when we built it before we even opened Westside Collector Car Storage. And now he's back two and a half years later uh, with a big audience and a lot of uh, EV knowledge to share. It's Kyle Connor from everything on the smoking tire podcast here you are cool thanks for coming back i think you were you the first you were the first guest in this studio that's my understanding that first would have guest, been we had in... messed up audio on it the mics didn't work oh yeah jay ryan was here i think oh it was a jay ryan show I'm not blaming on him i think it was new studio new everything oh did we did we run did we have something to air or did we yeah. throw it away no, we, we did, did. Oh, okay. It was fine. It oh, just right. like sounded, I don't just actually, sounded I shitty. To it for oh, all right. Yeah. Well, this time the things have been pretty well sorted. Looks amazing in here. That's Last good. time I was here, the whole building was empty. Oh, yeah, because we moved into the studio before we were allowed to open for business. Right. Yeah, because we were waiting on our certificate of occupancy. Right. Yeah. And uh, it was just incredible seeing it today. A whole bunch of spicy stuff in there. Full is good. It's incredible. Yeah. Full means we're actually paying the bills around here. That's what Full you need good. to do. Um, so you're on a EV road trip, as you're known to do. Mm-hmm. And um, you got to you, you got like I follow you on, on Twitter. I follow you on Instagram. I don't watch a lot of YouTube videos. I've seen your YouTube videos, but I don't I don't watch a lot because I just don't have time to sit down and watch YouTube videos. Um, but you as you came in here, you said you have 16 YouTube channels. Yeah, you, let's talk and, business. And, yeah. and I want to. I just want to start with why the fuck do you have sixteen YouTube channels? Right. So let's say five of them are active right now, really okay. hardcore active. Uh-huh. The others are we. I've sort of laid out this plan of how to conquer YouTube, if you will, in the EV space. Okay, is, is our idea. Okay. And the reason 
for so many is is really um, comes down to just security. As you know from your own channel, you get these ebbs and flows of channels perform well. You please the algorithm one month, the other month that doesn't do so well. This is what we found at least. And um, having multiple channels, we found like, oh, one month, one channel might be in a dip, the other one might do better. You diversified your investment of content creation. Basically, well, yes. So it's not like topical or anything like that. It's just it like- is. It is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, to an extent, it's all. So do you have like a Tesla channel and a Rivian channel and a Twizy <laughs> channel and like a like? Is the that Twizy how that channel. works? We need a Twizy channel. Uh, no. So we have like an EV road tripping channel, which is how okay. it started, which is called Out of Spec Motoring, and right. that's like hour and a half, two hour long, super long road trips. And I think people honestly fall asleep when they click on these videos and just let the ads play through. And so that does really well. We try and do one or two a week. So okay. we're just always on the road. You make you one drive. or two fucking hour-long videos a week? That's the idea. Yeah, one right now. How yeah. do you ever make money doing that? It doesn't cost anything to make the video because we're already going places. Well, but you, doesn't editing a video that's that? Are you just not editing anything? Yeah, nothing is edited beautifully. <laughs> okay. Nothing is shot beautifully. I mean, everything we do is shot on iPhone. Okay. So it's iPhone, AirDrop, load the clips in, Command-T for cross-dissolve. Upload. Take. Wow, ed, I spend yeah. no time on editing. We have editors, but I edit most of my own stuff. Okay. Yeah. All right. So that works. And then the reviews channel is the main out of spec channel, yeah. if you will. That's like you know close to daily content on some electric related topic, first drives, in depth testing for range or charging, and um, then I have my own personal channel that's just like random antics that we do, play around with different cars, a lot of combustion stuff on there because. Our core audience is an electric-focused audience, but mm -hmm. I'm a combustion enthusiast at heart, so need an outlet for that. We have a new uh, guide channel, which is pretty cool. So if you're listening and you don't know much about electric cars, out-of-spec guide, uh, run by my colleague Max. We just started it a few weeks ago, and uh, it's all about the basics of EVs, how to charge, how to activate and electrify America Charging Station, basic stuff. Well, it's a highly variable topic. Yeah, <laughs> we also have troubleshooting tips, you yeah. know, and we try and take a realist approach that like it's early days of electric. And I think a lot of people jump into EVs maybe a bit earlier than maybe they even should. So the guide channels to sort of, hey, here's how you actually do this stuff. Yeah. The guide channel seems very necessary. Like it's not go to gas station, put in gas. Like, you know, we've learned all the problems with EA and other charging systems based on trial and error. But like when I did this hydrogen thing, mm. I talked to these people that they just... They didn't know why the problem was happening. They just knew there was a problem. And then like a guide channel would educate them on like, here's what's actually happening and why you're waiting. Yeah, that's that's the whole idea. Actually, I've played around with some hydrogen stuff. We could talk about that at some point. It's pretty interesting to me. Um, and, uh, the, you know, the idea for multiple channels, that's just a highlight. I mean, of, of some of the ones we work on is that's too much content to load into one channel for two different levels of understanding of people. Yeah. That the difference between helps. one and sixteen, that seems like a lot. Well, so yeah, I mean, let's say there's five active. Yeah, yeah. Sixteen's the master plan. Okay. So everything's reserved all the way down to the out of spec ranch. If you're gonna, if you have that many channels, though, like out of spec, it's not, it's, it's, it's not a bad name by any means, but it, but it doesn't say to me this is a channel on EVs. Sure. And you have an opportunity to name these things kind of what they are at this point. Have you thought yeah. about that? I, I don't think the name of the channel affects the views that you get. I think it's very much, you can name it anything. You can name it, we thought about naming a channel ABC, 
for the basic stuff. And um, or EV ABC, I don't know. I like that. Yeah, and also we always say always be charging, so that could work. But I don't know if the name dictates who watches the channel. Hmm. Like the smoking tire is a great name because you know you're going to get performance related car reviews. Yeah, it's also witty, right? Based on the smoking gun. Yep. But if you watch, it's a double thing. But out of spec, obviously, you have no idea that could be out of spec anything. Yeah. But hopefully we get to the point where it's like, out of spec jets, let's review the new G6 or whatever it is. Okay. You know, when we make it one I mean, day. look, there, <laughs> there, are, <laughs> channels, there are channels get, yeah. that get enormous views that have very, very dumb names that people have been making videos since they were like 13 and like think we know who we're talking about. Yep. And they've got a fucking real stupid name and a lot of people watch those videos. So maybe that's just something that's in my head and it's not real. I mean, ultimately, we just trust the brand and the name that's associated with it, right? It's like... I don't know, Aetna Healthcare or something like that, the name doesn't really matter. You just start to recognize the brand and the logo and the content they make. And I think in this space, like a lot of people have made their channels based on their name, like their own personal name. It wasn't like, what is the content you're making? And after a while, it doesn't really matter. Yeah, I think the name is something I put the least amount of effort or even thought into. So it's interesting you bring it up. I've got to start thinking about this. We have some stuff that's not branded out of spec. We have a channel called One Lap, which is sort of hot laps around tracks and uh, drag races and stuff like that. Um, yeah. So you did think about it a little bit. Yeah, but I mean, our branding really sucks. I mean, just look at how bad our graphics are. <laughs> um, not, you know, no, no effort is put into making this look, I would say, premium or nice. We're, what we've been able to do, especially with this reviews channel, is capture the nerds in the EV space uh-huh. and sort of dig into that. They've got to be it. the fucking hardest people to deal with. I mean, they've got to be a nightmare. We have a few. <laughs> I just, I mean, because every every time I do anything with an electric car, we we share our experience honestly. Yes, as best we possibly can. Like we just did a video that was a two year update on our yep, Ford Mach-E, and a whole bunch of like real angry people basically accused me of being like dishonest. Um, because basically from to get from where we are in Los Angeles to Phoenix, we did it in two stops because the traffic on that highway moves at 80 to 90 miles an hour. It on does not move. Yeah. yeah. If you were to set the cruise control at 62, you could have potentially done it in one stop, but you would have semi-trucks like sailing by you and they're like it's dishonest of you to say this and even though I said it takes two stops because of the speed you were driving but people were just like and I said you know that that this charging station which can deliver up to 350 kilowatts if you have a Lucid or a a, a Taycan uh, if you could deliver up to 150 if you have a must if my car it was delivering 80 and I was like this is okay but like not great they're like well if you had explained <laughs> that your car had 43% charge yep. and actually, and so it just, it's like, I was being honest with my experience here. Yes. I was not being misleading. I was experiencing from this, from a non-scientist point of view and, you know, I think EV chargers should be uh, labeled like Octane is for gasoline. You know, you get you you put ninety three in the pump, 
That's the minimum octane rating. Sure. That's not the maximum. It's I not totally like agree in with perfect this. conditions, this yes. will be 93. Yes. But sometimes it's actually 87 <laughs> coming out of this pump. You know, they label this charger a 150. And I'm not saying I should get 150 all the time. But if you're getting 60 or 70 kilowatts, that is not a successful charging experience from my, the customer end. Totally agree. I'm you right know? there with you. I mean, you see, you follow me on Twitter. You know, yeah. I'm always complaining about chargers. Mm-hmm. I got a great story, which we'll talk about that happened to me yesterday, totally stranded in uh, somewhere north of here. don't even know the name of the town. But um, so, yeah, uh, the topic of your EV experience yeah. as a, I would say, higher than average educated driver, yeah, <laughs> especially with electric. I mean, you drive Still everything. does not satisfy the EV nerds. So now you know how tough of a task we have, <laughs> yeah. which is everything has to be so detailed. I mean, I need to look at battery temperature on arrival, state of charge, yeah, you, the uh, chargers. You, I saw yeah. on your Twitter, you put like, oh, there was some update in your Tesla that shows you all this fucking crazy information. Yeah. And I just looked at that and went, I don't need to know any of that shit. You shouldn't. No one should need to know. <laughs> I need to know two numbers. <laughs> what is the percentage that my battery is full? And what is the speed that it is flowing right now? Yes. Fucking don't even tell me the rest of that shit. I don't care. Yes. And this <laughs> is where we're trying to get to. So the the problem, I guess, from our content side of things is our reviews channel has gotten so nerdy that unless we do all of those things, our audience is not satisfied. Yeah. We have to go into thermal control, amperage rating for cables, charging hardware manufacturer. And and I love, for me, I yeah. geek out about that. Like, I'm totally cool Let with Let me tell that. you who doesn't give a fuck about this. My wife, who right. drives our EV 95% of the time. And honestly, nine out of 10 other electric car owners, especially here in California, just want to plug in and know exactly when they have to pull out. Yeah. And that's all that should matter. But unfortunately today, like, it's a little bit more complicated than that. Guys, got to take a break real quick for NASCAR, who has brought to you this episode of the Smoking Tire Podcast. The 2023 NASCAR season is officially underway. Coming off a truly epic Daytona 500 last weekend, the drivers will now make their way out to the West Coast, back to the West Coast, for some unbelievable on-track action at Auto Club Speedway outside of Los Angeles, which Zach is actually going to the race to see our friend Parker Kligerman race. Last year's race was filled with nonstop five-wide racing from start to finish with 2021 NASCAR Series Cup champion and California native Kyle Larson coming out on top. There's only one more chance for the stars of the NASCAR Cup Series to take home the checkered flag on the famous two-mile oval, so you can bet it's going to be a race for the record books. That's right. They are uh, getting rid of that track, aren't they? They are de-NASCAR-fying it. I think it's going to stay an HPDE track so that people like us can go drive it, but this will be the last race Uh, for NASCAR at the current configuration of Auto Club Speedway. Check it out, whether you're an avid fan or a NASCAR newbie. Tune in to the NASCAR Cup Series race at Auto Club Speedway Sunday, February 26th, 3.30 p.m. Eastern, 12.30 p.m. Pacific on Fox. Yeah, so charging, let's talk about chargers. A 150-kilowatt charger is in theory the maximum it can output right. and you know this better than anyone right the car can accept a certain maximum 
given a battery pack is warm, yeah. given that you're at low enough state of charge, right. and given that the actual cable attached to that charger, which is separate from the charger, can deliver the current needed to get to that point. And so what we're finding a lot of right now, especially with NEVI funding, which are all these new chargers being put in across the country, all these conversations, is you can have a 150 kilowatt branded charger, which is the nameplate speed. Yeah. But uh, they're allowing for, I know, getting really Some nerdy. garbage-ass cables. Yes, 200-amp cables, which on your car, on my Rivian, would be like 70 kilowatts. Yeah, see, that's not fucking cool. That Whoa. sucks. <laughs> so you roll up, and you're like, 150 kilowatts, let's go. Yeah. You plug in, and you're like, oh, why am I only getting 70 or 80? Yeah. It's because the cable's the limit. Yeah, that's horseshit. Yes. Yeah, they, that's, that, like, so many things with this, and I've said this shit over and over with the charging network, like, it's actually not a technology issue. It's actually a customer relations issue. My expectations are not set appropriately. Right. My expectations are set extremely optimistically. When the stuff doesn't work, I'm, I'm not, I get push notifications on my phone for garbage, but, like, I'm not going to get a push notification that says, hey, looks like you're heading towards this charger. Don't fucking go there because it doesn't work. You know, like, yep. you, like I have to read the comments on a charging station to know if it works. <laughs> like, why do I have to do this shit? Like, and it's not a technology issue. It's a straight up customer service issue. 100%. It is uh, purely a lack of understanding how to serve the driver base. Mm -hmm. And so I started a new company-ish type thing called your charge, uh, separate from out of spec. But rate your charge is all about like, okay, let's do the rating thing because we need to rate. Yeah. But also the whole idea behind it is to hold charging network operators accountable. Yeah. If their app, if you roll up to a station, it says five are online, but you find only two are online right. and there's a line, which happened to me yesterday. Well, that's just a straight up lie. Yeah. But that reporting metric is what's going to the government to get them funding. Right. And so we're like, hold up. This is not it. So, yeah, we're getting users, you know, really the expert users are going to be doing this. How do, is it an app? How it does, will be. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Early days. Yeah. Right now it's a Google form and a Twitter page, grassroots. And also there's just, you know, finding chargers is not there, – there's um, – the PlugShare app is okay. Yep. It's pretty good. It's not perfect. Yep. But, like – Google Maps should be fucking better. Like, we shouldn't need the PlugShare app. We should need just Google Maps at this How point. How crazy is it that Apple Maps and Google Maps are both so far behind just, in helping EV owners? Yeah, it's crazy. Like, you just got an update. I don't know if you have it on your Mach-E, but there's an update for Mach-E that when you use Apple CarPlay, it will show you your state of charge on arrival, which is like... Uh... Really? Yeah, it's on my is Twitter. It, if is you it go like to, just like in the last like because I got a huge update like three weeks ago. I think it's part of this. If you use CarPlay and you use native Apple Maps, I was just oh in my you have to use Maki. native Apple Maps. Yes. Okay, which I is a shame because yeah. Google I Maps. Use Google rock. Maps. Yeah, and of ways. course. Yeah, yeah. But it's the start of the communication between okay. the in car. All right. Can. Maybe I'll try Apple Maps when we when Zach and I went to Arizona. We used the native Sync GPS, which does allow for uh, route planning. 
you know, and it shows you, yes. you know, go here, stop for 20 minutes, and then you can go to the next one, and, and it does all that kind of oh, stuff. But. go to the It's Kyle Connor YouTube. See, uh, this sorry, is Twitter, 75 Twitter page. Uh, oh, not YouTube, yeah. yeah How often do you post to the wrong account because you forget to switch your Very login. often. Very often. You should see, when I log into YouTube, no joke, you want to see this? When I oh, load no, up the, the which channel? The, the which channel do you so load up? Hold on. Take a look at this. This. Oh, my uh, God. That's crazy. <laughs> It's like which one? It's very convoluted. And what's funny is like I'm open. It's early days. We're messing up. You know, we're having yeah, yeah, issues. Yeah. Like we've only I've only been doing this full time for five years, something like that. That's so funny. Yeah, if you scroll down a little bit, you'll see the Mach E thing uh, somewhere. This is when I was stuck in a charger yesterday. Oh, if my Twitter is only me complaining about well, charging. That's all right. I, I believe yeah, you that yeah, this. So if yeah. you use Apple Maps through CarPlay, it has a, it'll show your state of charge when you get there. Yep, that's pretty okay. much it. But that's like all that they have right yeah, now, yeah. and it, I think it only works with Ford. So like, Whoa. you know, this integration of, I, I guess my issue comes down to electric cars. Like I'm driving the BMW i7 this week. Uh-huh. They rock. They're so comfortable. They honestly have plenty of range. I think. Yeah. Um, it's not range anxiety anymore. No, it's, it's charger infrastructure anxiety. anxiety. Totally. I know I can get there because I can do very fucking basic math. But yes. what happens when I get there? That's the that's my Happened biggest problem. Me. Yesterday, I was like driving an i7, and I I was charged up just enough to make it to San Luis Obispo, and I'm like, they have sixty Tesla superchargers there. It's a hub, not one DC fast charger in the entire city for CCS. Really? Well, yeah, there's an EVgo. It's offline, and that's Great. it. So I had to leave it on a level two and like walk a mile and oh, a half. God. And I was like, why? This is like the Stone Ages. Yeah. It feels like trick or treating. Like you're gonna get to a house, you're gonna get candy. But what kind of candy? Like, there's <laughs> yes. a real variable here. It might, might just be a wall outlet. It might, yeah, you might get an apple. That's yes. what you might end up getting. Um, and like, you know, I don't, I don't really give a shit if people buy an EV or not. They, they you know, it's it, your personal car choice is not going to change or ruin the world. Totally. But it's just like when the governments get involved and there's incentives and there's mandates. Well, now we really have no choice but to make this fucking thing work. Welcome to my daily thought process. Yeah. I'm like, why are we, first of all, there's huge incentives to buy an electric car. There should be, you know, I think at this point, I don't see why our hard-earned tax dollars need to go to incentivize electric car sales for most of it. I think let's build the infrastructure, but this is such a long process. I mean, we could do a whole four-hour show on what it takes to put a charger in the ground. Oh, yeah, I but know. But it's just, you know, you know from this building, the permitting process, yeah. getting the well, high power Well, my new there. building, I considered, I was like, I, my new building, I have an 1,800-amp panel. Oh, jam. Which That's good. this building, I only have a 400-amp panel. So we actually had to do, this is getting, uh, 400 amps for a building like Westside Collector Car Store is actually quite low. Yeah. According to the city, you're only allowed to ever use 80% of your maximum. Okay. So a 400 amp panel really means 320 amps. Right. 320 amps, when you've got giant hydraulic lifts with 20 horsepower motors like I have, the way they approve you is if you've ever, it's actually, if you've ever seen the movie Apollo 13. Yep. Gary Sinise is in the simulator and they only have maybe it's 11 amps or 7 amps or something, a very low number of amps. And he's trying to, turn one system on at a time without overloading the meter. And if he overloads, he's got to start all over again. So it's kind of like that, except when they test it here, they turn everything on at once. Sure. You hit all switches in the building, all systems, the same time, boom, hit them, 
You got to be under 320 for that. So cranking amps, the whole bit. Everything. <laughs> under yeah, 320. All the lifts at the same time? Well, they in the in the plan that they that that was part of the plan. Every lift, which of course is impossible. I mean, I'm not I don't have 25 people working here running <laughs> running all these lifts at the same time. You have to have a, a human to do that. And so we, we they they were like, "Guess what? This is an impossible plan." So we have, and I can show it to you, we have a special electrical controller that will only allow you to use one lift at a time. Sure, a switcher. A switcher. Yeah, yeah. It is, it is actually not a problem because we're a slow turnover business and you only ever need to use one lift at a time. There's no situation in which someone can't wait the 30 seconds to move the next lift. It just doesn't matter. But anyway, point being, new building. 1800 amps yeah which is like you know 1500 usable amps so we could do all kinds of shit so i was like bro what's up with the fucking 50 kilowatt charger like, perfect can i do it and they're like oh no you, <laughs> you sweet boy you absolutely cannot have a fucking 50 charger yep. and i was like no but how much how much to put it in and they showed me and it was like two hundred thousand yep. <laughs> dollars, and that's for a fifty kilowatt. That's for a fifty for one fifty, one I, plug fifty. Yep. And yeah. I get annoyed when it's like, oh, okay, this is a, a hundred fifty kilowatt charger. I'm like skipping those to find three fifties. Yeah, and so the power requirements are getting insane. I mean, the technology is not the hard part here. It is all the hooking everything up yeah. on the back end. I mean, most you know, if you go to a public charger normally, like the one we went to in Quartzsite, mm -hmm. you see the big fucking. I don't know if they're generators or transformers. Yep, transformers. Transformers. Yep. You know, it's not just the thing that plugs into the car. It's this whole underground network of of conduits and wires and these big transformers, and it's it. There's a lot to it. Yeah, you really need you know 480 volt grid service in, yeah. and then you'll typically have anywhere from a 500 kVA to a 1500 kVA transformer. Then you have power electronics and switch gear. Yeah. Then you have the actual charging equipment, and then you have underground conduit running to the actual dispenser, which then charges the car. But why do I find, when these systems fail me, that none of that shit you just described is the part that fails? It's like the fucking credit card reader. Or the screen, or some shit that is like totally settled science at this point. My honest opinion is they don't care. <laughs> yeah. It's in some cases it's cheaper if no one ever plugs in. Right. So like right. they're not financially incentivized to serve the end user. Right. They're financially <laughs> incentivized to sit there and never be used. We basically. see this far too often. Since we started this rate your charge thing, we have people tagging us on uh, charging stations. I cannot tell you how many charging stations we found that have been installed one, two, three years ago that have never been switched on because they just got all the funding to put it in, big project, and they're just offline waiting. Wow. Yeah, it's crazy. There, I mean, There's it, no accountability to make the thing actually remain online for an ongoing period of time. Yeah, this NEVI funding requires a 97% uptime. Mm -hmm. But what constitutes an uptime? And this has not been totally defined yet. A lot of times, if the grid goes down, then the charger companies, uh, they have an out that doesn't count against their uptime. But we're not sure if that just means it's a little blip and they should have had some resiliency built into their mm -hmm. install with a battery buffer or something. Yeah, charging is getting pretty pretty crazy out there. 
We're going through a dark period. I mean, two years ago was the golden age of electric car ownership, right? When you were getting your Mach-E, uh, I thought was the perfect time to own and drive an EV. You know, we set the Cannonball record in the Porsche back then in the mm. Taycan. I don't think it's possible to do it today because well, stations are getting crowded. Yeah. 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 So the <clears> – but also, like, do you find that the general public puts – and maybe this is our fault. Does the general public put more emphasis on the road trip scenario than in as a, as a point against EV ownership than they really should? Totally. I, I think they do. Totally. Absolutely. It's partially our fault. So I think 99% of the time, any electric car can do what you need it to do. And it doesn't make sense to own one if you can't charge at home or work. But there's so many people that can, you know, there's any EV that could be manufactured or sold can go to people who can Yeah, maybe not a hundred percent adoption, but you right. could probably get 40% adoption sure. from people with a home or work charging situation. And it really, after spending this week in California, it really does not make sense to buy an electric car unless you have some form of reliable, consistent charging that is mindless, that you, you yeah. park the car anywhere, you plug it in and it's great. And the ranges are perfect. I mean, I have an electric smart car that I keep at my house and charge it every two weeks. Things only got 50 miles of range. Yeah. But I'm like, I don't need, I just go to Starbucks and back, go to the office yeah. and back, whatever. So, yeah, finding the right car for your needs is important. And uh, the road trip scenario gets a huge emphasis, but it is one of the hardest bits of electric car. Same with towing. Right. Any electric truck review, right, is, oh, that's a piece of crap because it sucks to tow. And it's like, yeah, it does. I own a Rivian. I tow with it all the time. Yeah, but like it a sucks. recent study showed that like a very small percentage of pickup truck owners actually tow anything ever. Absolutely. And for the times that most people are towing, it's taking the boat to the lake 10 miles down the road, right. which any vehicle could do. Yeah, yeah. We said that about our about Rivian. It's liter it's for that kind of thing. Yep. Because the chargers the, the are not set up to pull up to one with a trailer. The I, there's very few pull through chargers. The one um, in um, Baker between LA and, yep. and Vegas is the only one I've ever been to that was a gas station style pull through uh, charger. The rest are like nose in parking spaces, really. Right. Yeah. And Rivian's trying to build out their network. It's going a lot slower than they expect. They were expecting it to, which we could have told them early on. But uh, they're actually including in many of their site designs a pull through option. So uh, Barstow has one. Branded charge, branded charger. Is yeah. it branded Rivian? Yeah, it's a Rivian only. It's like it's supercharger. It's Rivian thing only at this moment. They gotta. They, they need to make that fucking illegal. You can't. You cannot force people to buy electric cars like they say they're gonna do in 2035, and then have fucking walled gardens of chargers. It's just not. You, that's not helping the goddamn environment to have walled gardens of charging. I'm right there Fucking with you. I, I think you either you, you, everything just needs to be fully open and compatible yeah. for, for all this to work. And so it sounds like Tesla is opening up some of their superchargers, but honestly, a very small fraction. Yeah. Whatever gets them that subsidy, the yep. minimum, yep. you know, for a while I would I would use terminology like the government was going to force them to. And it doesn't seem like either the government has that power or is willing to use it. But it but it is, you know, Tesla lives and dies on fucking subsidies. And so if they need if they want those subsidies, they're going to have to open them up. But you know what they're going to do? They're going to charge fucking six bucks a kilowatt to non Tesla owners. Possible. And they'll go, it's open. 
We didn't say it doesn't have to be reasonably because that's what they're doing in Europe. So in Europe, you pay some extremely high price. I've charged a lot with non-Teslas at Tesla superchargers in Europe. Honestly, like the experience is great. It's the one you want to have. But then they want you to buy the monthly membership to buy down the rate. Well, that's what it says on Tesla's website. It basically says, and it's it's there. If you go look, it yeah. says it, at these at these supercharger sites, you can charge with a non-Tesla, and if you have a something other than Tesla, you will you're billed for the rate to make it yes, available. Absolutely, like, everything that Tesla has to spend to open this network to you <laughs> is passed is, on. is passed directly <laughs> onto you with a little on top. Yep. Yeah, I'm, and honestly, I don't know if we'll see many EV owners using the Tesla supercharger network. I think at the end of the day, what that does maybe to the peace of mind of CCS drivers sure. is a backup option. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because the worst thing that can happen is just being stranded. And I don't, and honestly, like, I'm not like you know, I'm I, I'm a progressive. I'm not I'm not like yeehaw capitalism, but yeah. like accepting that we live in a capitalist country and you can only get private businesses to do so much, you know, the fact that they charge more if you don't own a Tesla, all right, like fine, like I get that and uh, and and it's is it kind of a shitty thing to do? Like, yeah, but like I understand that you paid for this installation of this thing and you're prioritizing your own customers and fine, like that kind of makes sense. But to to if the technology exists to have other people be able to use it, they should be it should be there so people like you said don't get stranded yeah. as a backup option. It's like, all right, well, it's like it's like when fucking right wingers every couple of years when gas prices go up and right wingers lose their fucking shit about the gas station in Big Sur. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, there's oh, always dude, one. It's, cr- it's like the ten dollar twenty five a yeah, gallon. Yeah, yeah. There's yeah. always one story. <laughs> yeah. California gas station has twelve dollars a gallon. They're like, oh, by the way, it's the only yeah. gas station for sixty miles in either direction. And if you don't plan for it and you fucking need it, that is the capital what the fuck you gonna do station and I have been in that position <laughs> far too many times yeah, if, you need, if you need it like yeah you're eating that yep, dick that's right know? you just get so screwed there yeah, they never mention that in the story California is fucking crazy <laughs> it's like bro if you go to Oklahoma and there's one gas station in a hundred mile radius that dude's like cha-ching absolutely <laughs> yeah. so uh, on the topic of Tesla have you driven any modern Tesla stuff recently I know you drove a Model 3 performance a while ago uh well i i had a customer here who had a, a model s plaid that i drove uh, yeah. briefly what do you think of that i don't love it yeah what, I, what I about it well compared to the other ex- very expensive electric cars that are available right now um it it feels like a dated product um you know everything is a dragster so if the, if your car is a tenth or two faster to sixty that I don't give a shit. The steering wheel is a joke. Oh, I mean, it's that's, terrible. That's, I mean, that's a comically poor decision. So and bad that they are quietly walking back. Yes. Um, and and it's you know it, it's it it's it's still a nice car. It's just some really, in my opinion, poor decisions have been made, and and it feels dated. Whereas, um, you know, the 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 Lucids. Um, which they miss in a few places as well, but it feels fresh and new and innovative. Uh, the Rivian is a shockingly nice product. You can't believe that's their first car. 
Um, it's built so nicely. And they're reliable. I put 30,000 miles on my Rivian. I mean, that's, Nothing that's, really... that's great. Yeah, it's amazing. And, and my Ford, and people say I'm paid by Ford. Like, I'll fucking show you the stubs. I pay them 800 bucks a month. <laughs> yes. Eat a dick. Uh, we get, you know, my, yeah. my Ford is built so much nicer than any Tesla that I've driven. And totally. It's $53,000. Yep. And it goes 300 miles, uh, 300 miles on a charge in, in, in urban conditions. Yeah. Um, and so, like, if people like their Tesla, like, that, that's fine. It doesn't you know, affect you what dude, they drive. the number of fucking Ubers that I've taken oh. that are Model 3s now. In the past six months, it's been a huge shift. In I totally LA, agree. Dude, Model 3 Ubers, like, all over the place. It's the same in Denver. Every yeah. Uber is a fleet Uber. So the yeah. Uber, you, I guess you can rent it for yeah. a week. Yeah. And then the whole- It's like 200 bucks a week or something It to was rent originally them. Kia Nero Electrics mm-hmm. is what Lyft used in Denver to like, like pilot this rental program. Now it's Model 3s. And so in Colorado, you get red plates if it's a rental. Oh. So you can be like, ah, rental car. Like going up into the mountains, you're like, they're definitely not on winter tires if it's oh. a red plate. <laughs> See, they used to make it. Is that if it's a a, a, um, if it's a, a ride share rental or any rental any car? Any Hertz, uh, whatever it is, Enterprise. No, yep. See, that's interesting because I remember a law that made it illegal at, at a certain time to identify if a car was a rental. Because they were getting broken into. Because it was people on vacation. Yep. And you go, oh, well, that's a rental. They probably got their luggage and shit in there. Huh. And they break into it. Yeah. And so for a time, at least, it was illegal to identify a car as a rental. Now, then they started sticking the little barcodes on cars. Yep. And it was sort of like, oh, you know, it, it you couldn't, it didn't say enterprise on it. But it, it was there were indicators. Hmm. The fact that the, that a statewide thing is putting a rental license plate on it. Red plates are rentals in Colorado. I'm very surprised by that. Well, it's all fleet usage. So you can have like you'll sometimes see like a G63 with the red plates because, you know, the dude like has 90 F250s. Right, right, right. Like just yeah, like, yeah, let yeah, me yeah. add that to yeah, the yeah, list. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. And he wrote that thing off for a fucking <laughs> Section gross, ve- gross vehicle weight tax yes. deduction. <laughs> Appreciate that bitch first yeah. year, baby. I saw a four by four squared with a red plate. I'm like, I know exactly what is going on here. That is funny. You can yeah. really identify the fucking tax scam with yep. that one. That's yep. hilarious. Absolutely. Yeah, pretty wild. Oh, so, so that's the the mountains the are red. Plate. Yeah. The mountains are it's, red it's instead a fleet of FLT on the left yep. side. Oh yeah. Wow. How about that? Yep. So you see every Tesla in Denver now is that's a red so interesting. Red plate. Because they're renting them at Hertz. Yeah, and they just supercharge them, clog up all the stations. Mm. And uh you know, EV like I said, I think we're kind of past the the prime. I'm an EV lover, obviously, but it's if you don't charge at home and you do a lot of trips, it's getting a little bit annoying. You asked what I thought about current Teslas. Was there mm. is there something you sh- think I should know that I'm missing mm. out on? No, I, I thought it was an interesting topic to bring up. I've been driving this Model S Plaid that I brought over, and um, we bought it to make some videos with. And I uh, haven't driven it that much. It kind of sits around, but I've got 7,000 miles on it in almost a year now. And uh, this trip has been pretty eye-opening. I also have... The BMW i7, which costs six hundred dollars difference to the Plaid, so they're identical. Total, price. not per month. No, total, total. Okay. Uh, between my car's sticker and this one, now Tesla's recently lowered the price of the Plaid, so it's a less expensive car. But really, uh, just the quality of Model S is gone downhill massively, uh, while I, I think Model Three and Y have gone uphill massively. Mm-hmm. A friend of mine just got a brand new Model 3 uh, performance. We have a detailing channel and, you know, paint meters and panel gaps and all the stuff that Tesla people care about. Car was perfect. It was so well Does put it, together. Where was it built? 
in Fremont. Okay. Yeah, which was surprising. Is it still in the tent? Or have they Who built knows? a real building? No, I don't know. No one really knows? I don't know. Okay. Yeah, I don't really follow it that closely. But I do know that whenever this car, you know, its design intent was right on point. Okay. And then, you know, comparing it to my Model S, which costs three times as much, you get a significantly worse product. Creak, creaks, mm. rattles. That's very interesting. Yeah. Seats are I wearing. had a Model X as an Uber Uber oh. Black. Okay. It was a Model X. Okay. Holy fucking rattles. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, this thing, this yes. thing rattled like crazy. Mm-hmm. I was, I was, I mean, you just look at it and you go, well, that's not going to hold up. Sure. But I, w- I was Especially actually the shocked. Early one. Well, the early ones were never delivered good. <laughs> I had a friend who got- Oh, the door handles. How bad yeah. of a design decision was it <laughs> yeah. to actually have a, a, paint, a panel mismatch indicator like those door handles? Yeah. That was a conscious choice somebody made. Isn't that amazing? The door handle <laughs> thing. But, but even worse than that, a friend of mine was taking delivery of one of the first Model Xs, like yeah. in less than a thousand. Yeah. And the door went to go close in the delivery bay and went- sideways oh, and no. crashed into the car. Oh, no. And we're like, okay, this is maybe not a good idea. Yeah. I've driven a new one, one of the refresh ones, thought it was pretty good, actually, but I'm not a Model X guy. Um, yeah. Our customer had a Y here. It's okay. Yeah. It was fine. Uh, we have a client here with a Lucid who had a Plaid mm-hmm. and crashed it because he was making a three-point turn and the wheel wasn't where it was supposed to be. One of my colleagues crashed my Plaid. <laughs> Uh, into a curb, rip the wheels off of it, pretty much. And Same way. We're not hundred percent sure. Wheel the steering incident. wheel kind of came up, and I was like, uh, I don't know. It was a track mode situation. Yeah, uh-huh. you got to be like, going not quick to it, take the wheels off a car. Yeah, it wasn't good. <laughs> <laughs> so that's also why the car doesn't have that many miles on it. But um, yeah, I don't think the wheel helped. Yeah, that's for sure. But I mean, you know, to, to ne- that car in twenty twelve to twenty fourteen was innovative and well-made and looked great. Still looks great. Still looks great. Yeah, yeah still the, looks yeah. really it good. It turns out if you copy Aston Martin from the mid-2000s, like, they, yeah. that's a good-looking m- they've, car. They've made it evolution just perfectly. I think the car is the best-looking Tesla, the Model yeah, they S. Yeah, lo- they do look nice. Yeah. The, yeah. the Plaid's, it's a nice-looking car. Yeah. I will give them that. Yeah. But you know, drive a Taycan, drive Dude, a fucking BMW, drive a drive the Audi e-tron. But I then mean, go and charge those. That's true. the problem. It's like so. The reason I have the Model S is because I'm like, if I have to go somewhere, it's like I'm either going to take my old LS 400, which is combustion, or I'm going to take the Model S because it's got huge range, charges really fast, and uh, I guess I, I, a lot of people are like, oh, it has autopilot, so it's good. We can maybe talk. I rode in a Waymo this week. Oh, yeah. Yeah. How was that? Talking about driver assistance systems. Uh, Really interesting. The whole experience was wild. They've just opened in Phoenix uh, like anyone can ride a Waymo now. Mm -hmm. So we just downloaded the app, didn't talk to anyone ahead of time. Is it a Waymo app? Waymo One app. Okay. And uh, we compared it to Uber a little bit. It was like $4 more than Uber and took longer for it to get us to the destination and to pick us up because I guess there's only a few vehicles. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yep. Yeah. But um, drove pretty great. It drove well? Drove really there was well. A, there was a monitor in the car. Nope. No we were, human in the car? We have a whole video. Yeah, it Whoa. just went up. We were literally, we took the same one twice. We took it on the way to our destination and had dinner and then the same vehicle picked us up and brought us back to where we started. Uh-huh. Uh, drove about 30 minutes round trip. Um, and yeah, it, it's not perfect. It phantom brakes a little bit. Oh, really? So you'll be driving and it's like, uh-huh. not full ABS, but definitely hard brakes. 
For no reason. For no reason. Mm. And, it, and you can kind of tell, like, okay, maybe there's a car that's just a little bit over, but it, it's very weird. And um, what else did it do? Do some weird things, like just hard throttles out of nowhere. It's mm. we're in a Chrysler Pacifica plug-in, which I did not know were that fast, but, like, this thing rips. So it gets to 45 really quick. They just what? recalled all of them. I heard about this, yeah. 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 My physical therapist got his bought back in Lemon. Lemoned about a week before they announced the, <laughs> the fucking model wide recall. Thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because once it's recalled, there's nothing you can do. Correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And he got he paid over for it, and he got <laughs> he got his ADM back too. How how's that possible? That's how it works. If you get a Lemon really? Law buyback, yeah, they will fucking pay. They pay your they ADM. You the money so you everyone who and, paid and I, you know what over, I, you know what I learned about this? For service. If you pay ADM over, it goes to the dealer. Right. If they buy it back, the ADM that you get back comes from the manufacturer. Oh, well, the I, manufacturers the must <laughs> really, I mean, we, we always hear from like the PR people, like there's nothing we can do, right? Like we hate it. We try yeah. to discourage it. Yeah. I didn't realize that that's, they, that's how there's got to be some back end yeah. like checks being written Yeah, because the, the dealer's not buying it back. The manufacturer's buying it back right. and they have to pay you what you paid. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, I, <laughs> so when I learned that, I was like, oh shit. Yeah. So how many Land Cruisers went for like 60 over in the last year? Just start bringing them in for service. Yeah. <laughs> was there anything you liked about riding in the Waymo more than riding with an Uber driver or, aside or from, something? Aside from novelty, well, novelty for sure, but you don't have the stinky dude sitting in the seat, right? Like you have the vehicle to yourself, but it definitely feels like whoever, you know, I, I don't actually know how they trained it. I'm not an expert on, uh, you know, Waymo systems, but it feels like they had a whole bunch of Uber drivers drive the van and use that as their model. And then now it drives like an Uber driver, just like jerky and weird movements and stuff. <laughs> you know, so like, uh, it's definitely some like human into it. Yeah, yeah. Like describe it an Uber Guys, driver. This is too good. Make it shittier. <laughs> exactly. Yes. They're going to it think it's a computer. It was impressive. There was one left turn that really freaked us out because there's no way to tell the van not to go. Oh, when shit. you're in there's the no, van, there's no stop button. There's no button. There's no button. And there's there's nothing you can do. And we were in the middle of it. Are you literally divided? Like you couldn't reach forward and touch controls if you want. There's I mean, a plastic could, divider, or yeah, no? but it's like hanging from a string. You could oh. rip it and just take it, but you, you wouldn't have time. No, you, I'm just saying, <laughs> yeah. like if you wanted to be a shit bag, you could just steal it. You could, you could. Okay, you could yeah, just yeah, hop yeah. in and yeah, yeah. I mean, they'll track. They're but tracking the hell I, out of it. I guess okay. I was pretty. Um, there were so many good things about it. It definitely was like a, a look into the future because there was literally no one involved. We rode back at nighttime after dinner and a couple times throughout the drive, it, they kicked on all the in-cabin lights while we were driving, like full brightness and then went in-cabin check and then shut them off. So I imagine that was someone logging oh. into the van, yeah. spying on us. Or, Going, or, it, or are it, you copping head right now? Right. Yeah. Are yeah, you, yeah. Are you well, doing drugs right now? It's like, there's so many things that people could do maliciously to these yeah. vans. One, and I don't want to air it, but one concern that I was with my friend Anna, she had was there's nothing like stopping anyone from just pulling in front of this thing, stopping you, right? And just you could rip, rip open the van, rob you, whatever, and go. Because there's no evasive action uh-huh. the van yeah. could take. And uh-huh. it's a bright, like, like that's yeah, a Waymo. It's clearly <laughs> labeled. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's a lot of, it's early days, but I thought it was a really cool service. Honestly, I... Props to them for opening it up. I felt really safe the whole time, except for that one left turn, which wasn't even that bad. I think I'd love to have like a stop button or something in there to be like, yo, mm-hmm. 
don't go. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's weird that you don't have a button that's like a... Emergency stop, like a bus. Either an emergency stop or a way for you to go... Maybe it's through the app where it's like, you know, rate rate your ride and mm-hmm. you go, actually, the left turn on the 64th Street was a little sketchy. Yep, they're looking they, for all that. Yeah. Yeah, they want you to, they say, tell us everything. Thought it was really good. One thing I actually want to do, which I think would really be an interesting video, is to take a Tesla with their FSD beta and take a Waymo, mm-hmm. set both to the same destination and see how they both drive in the same area. Yeah. yeah. Well, I just saw a photo of a, of a sure. Cybertruck prototype with LiDAR shit on it. Dude, so it's... <laughs> can I tell you, this is why I brought up Autopilot originally. I was dri- drove the Model S here. And are you familiar with phantom braking? Yes. You, yeah. So I can't tell you how many times, and I've upgraded brakes on the Plaid, so like, you know, it's 50% brake application. You've like upgraded brakes? Yeah. What, did you get the ceramic things? No, I'm not. For that application, wasn't super into it. It's a company called Mountain Pass Performance. Uh, makes I've heard like of them, a, yeah. They're great, hardcore racers, really love their stuff. Um, and they don't put like, the Porsche tax on Tesla products. So it's like really, you know, just to make the cars better. Uh, yeah, just front and rear. It's like steel, the Colorado so. version of unplugged performance, Basically, right? yeah. yeah, yeah. They're, they're in Ontario, in okay. Canada. But yeah, similar. Yeah, it's yeah. same stuff. Unplugged makes some great stuff, too. Yeah, they, they do make yeah, good stuff, really actually. Good stuff. And um, the guy from Unplugged was like... You really want us to send your car here, not because we make good parts, which we do, but because we nut and bolt the whole cars and we <laughs> sure. find missing hardware in like 50% of the cars. Yeah, they, they do. a When you do their full program, it's very intensive and, and really very high quality work. But, so what are the brakes you get? Oh, uh, they're just big steel oh. uh, you know, setup, pad, rotor, uh, fluid lines. Stock caliper. Doing. Stock caliper. Mm-hmm. Caliper is not the issue on that car, but the brakes suck from the factory. Um, well, the car is very fast. important. You saw a thousand horsepower car that has fucking garbage Preaching brakes. Preaching to the choir. <laughs> <laughs> I, I showed it too. Like I've done a couple like hard brakes. You get one stop. Yeah. One stop and then there's there's nothing left in there. Now we can. Mm, the yeah. braking power of a Ford Expedition. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> but you got a thousand horsepower. The thing gets 170 miles an hour like that. Um, yeah. So we've done track days with the brakes. They've held up pretty well so far. Cool. But phantom braking's crazy. So Tesla removed the radar for their newer stuff. I love when they decide that they don't need safety critical systems. That's Which my I guess fa- it's my favorite thing. It about sounds Tesla. like they're going <laughs> back to radar with hardware four. That's yeah. all rumors. We're not totally sure. It's like sure. Twitter being like, no two factor authentication for you unless you oh. use Twitter blue. <laughs> they just I, I saw Marquez's tweet about that. He's like, just don't take away features that people used to have. Yeah. And then make you pay for them. Yeah. Now. That doesn't. You're holding shit hostage. Yes. Like, get the fuck out of here. Totally agree. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, phantom braking was bad, but then drove the I-7 yesterday, did 300 miles in it yesterday. And phantom braking? Not one. No. It's so good. Lane changes automatically, has augmented reality. I think autopilot actually is, for highway usage, not nearly as impressive as some of these newer systems I coming think, out. I um, think GM's Super Cruise is the best one I've used so far, and I have not used BMWs yet. You have to get an i7, okay, and you have to do their driver assistance. Okay, um, Super Cruise is great, but pre-mapped only. Yeah. And so BMW... Oh, is the BMW's open world? ...lets you go anywhere, but it'll do hands-free on pre-mapped. Okay. But GM doesn't let you go just basic lane centering. So yeah. like where I live in Colorado, there's very few roads that are pre-mapped. So when I'm driving Hummer EV a few weeks ago or a Sierra or whatever, one of those Denali Ultimates, I have to steer the whole time. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, all I want the car to do is stay in the middle of the two lanes and keep me a distance to the car in front. 
And so Ford lets you do it with Blue Cruise. You get basic yeah. centering. Yep, yeah, without map. I have we. I try to use Blue Cruise, and I actually don't love it. Me either. Um, it, it, the lane centering is not great. Yep. Uh, it's only okay. Yep. Uh, GM's was much better. Totally. Um, yep. But uh, honestly, like in this sort of in between thing, like if I can't look at my phone or read a fucking book, and I'm not talking about going to sleep. I'm talking about being in the driver's seat, but able to do something for a few minutes. I just I'll use radar cruise control and just steer. Yeah, like totally. I, 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 I'm less stressed out by steering than I am by having to be ready to take over at milliseconds notice. This gray area that we're in yeah. is pretty complicated yeah. and confusing. And everyone's got a different take. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think uh, Volkswagen's travel assist actually isn't bad. BMW's was amazing. You really got to try that okay. system. iX or i7 has, I think, LiDAR built into it as well. Oh, does it? Yeah. Oh. So it's pretty sweet. I didn't know that. Yeah, and then you get the augmented reality and the head-up display. It tells you where to go, all that stuff. Yeah, um, what did I just use that had augmented reality, but it was kind of janky? Uh, was it Mercedes? In the, I think it was Mercedes in the EQE yep. had it, but it wasn't like it wasn't good. Did you it, have uh, uh, an EQE at night? Did you drive it at all? Fucking disco. Yeah. Well, yeah, first it of all, was the whole disco dash was <laughs> yeah. crazy. And uh, did you ever see the headlights with the turn signal in that car? Yeah, yeah. It shines the turn signal on the road in yeah, front, which it, is like a Euro thing it that is we've never had. It's pretty cool. I mean, the, the EQE, like, I like the EQE better than I like the EQS. Me too. Um, I hate what they do with their brake pedal. I think it's so Dude, dumb. So that it falls away it's from you. It's so stupid. Who thought that was a good idea? I don't I'm trying know. to catch me. Ha <laughs> like, ha! So maybe for the viewers who don't understand, we should maybe explain a little bit. Sure. So in the EQE, when you have regenerative braking on, and there's multiple ways to set the regenerative braking, the the adaptive regenerative braking is awful. <laughs> yes. It is. Imagine re regenerative braking is only good when it's consistent. Yeah. Predictable. When I can go, oh, right now I lift off and the car will. But it it chooses how much to use in this mode that's terrible and it always is changing. Right, well, you, the, and actually, when I'm just mindlessly driving, and yeah. I've done a few thousand miles in these Mercedes EQ cars, I think it's on adaptive cruise control sometimes. Right. And I'm like, right at five miles an hour, I'm like, whoa! Yeah, because it, it, it doesn't always, it gives you a variable a, a rate of regen, which you, fortunately you can change the mode so it doesn't do that yeah, and it's consistent. The on the wheel. But it's a, it's a nightmare. Yeah. So don't use that mode. But anyway, when you have the regen on, as it applies regen, it it moves the brake pedal. It's like yes. a ghost is braking for yeah. you and, yeah. and so moving the pedal. They use don't an understand eye why they do that. Yeah, so their braking strategy was with an eye booster, which is the first bit of the pedal controls the regen, mm -hmm. and then it blends to friction brakes the harder you go. The only time Mercedes has a good brake pedal is under an emergency braking scenario. Right. Because it boosts up, you get great ABS feedback, one of the few EVs with a good, hard braking brake pedal. But that middle ground, so yeah. I end up driving them The EQE them in, I drove was the AMG with ceramics, too. I haven't driven that. I drove the EQS with ceramics yeah. and thought it was worse. <laughs> Wait, do, do the competitors like Tycon, do they not have that system where it's regen braking and then at a certain point the threshold is caliper? Because I think theirs feels seamless. Yeah, Porsche has done a really good job and they have a uh, similar strategy, yes, but a different mechanical system. Got but it. Porsche has to do their steel brakes, their, whatever, their PCCBs, and whatever that middle option is. The white is. brakes. 
Right, the surface PCSB. code is brakes. Yes. PS, PSCB. Right, yeah. it's always Porsche some acronym. Yeah, Porsche surface coded brakes. Yes, yeah. and that's the hardest one. I was talking to their brake engineer to tune because it's such a hard surface yeah. and changes based off of temperature. Mm. So with all of their algorithms to control what you feel with the brake pedal to give a consistent experience right. requires like so many modules and tuning. And But Porsche got it right. That brake pedal on the Taycan rocks. Yeah. The, I mean, the Taycan is dynamically the best EV that, that there is right totally. now. Totally. Um, but with the Mercedes, uh, first off, did you do a launch in the AMG? Uh, many did, times. Did it, did it make the, the, blah, 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 does it make blah, 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 blah. the Star Wars sound? Like it plays like the it Star Wars theme song? It shakes the motors. Yeah, yeah. It, it grabs the seat belt. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then you get Star Wars noise swords in the yeah. background. <laughs> yeah, it's and, like fucking real George Lucas shit. Yep. It's so and funny. It's the first thing I show to everyone. And literally everyone's reaction was... Okay, that was really dumb. And it's not fast. <laughs> yeah. It's not fast. Yeah. That's the thing. I mean, once you get the out EQE of the EQE feels reasonably fast. Okay. It's fa- definitely faster than the EQS. Yeah. But like it's it's a lot of drama for what ultimately is, you know, medium fast performance. I worry about the Germans uh if this is what their idea of features are. Well, you don't want a German to build whimsy into anything. <laughs> right. You know, work. like I, I think Elon Musk is a bag of shit, but those Spaceballs references in the beginning <laughs> was like, funny, yes, 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 I've seen Spaceballs too, and I and I get this, but you don't want a German putting jokes into the car. That's that's bad. Do you know Mercedes had 200 sound engineers working on their EQ program? And 200. that's what you 200. came up with. 200. So not only do you get that, but you get stuff that you don't really notice unless you have the car in a quiet environment um, so like if you have the passive keyless unlock in an EQS yeah the car starts humming at you it goes like whoa 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 from the outside it gives you this aura and it tell then, you it's unlocked yeah and so like all of these sound sequences happen it's and really I'm like funny. you know what I really want an electric car is just everything off yeah and me to go yeah that's like, the point of an EV yeah silence is yes. the thing I want from this but I did like the disco dash lights yeah, the sure. nighttime, the nighttime like weird thing. You put it in the submarine mode, that yeah. pink and blue, Dude, red. It's fun. It's yeah. a pretty, lot. It's, a lot. Off, it's, it's pretty overwhelming. Yeah. yeah, but it's it's pretty. It's also kind of like oh, all right. Your night vision see, is not see great. what's going you, you're on. You're never here. gonna miss anything in the cabin. You're gonna you find think, everything. Do you think like going back to whims? Like you don't want all these noises and things. Yeah. But that is that because you're informed and experienced and you've driven all these things. Whereas a new customer might be like, wow, like they like the shiny shit. I mean, the people buying these cars are not new drivers, first of all, uh, from from a Mercedes standpoint or a Taycan. These are people that have owned, you know, maybe E-Class for years and they're jumping into an electric world. I don't think any buyer wants this stuff, at least not in our market that so I've like, seen. It's like the... It's like the the companies, the German companies, are trying to build whimsy like Tesla, like fishing lures. Yeah. But they're just not doing a great job at it. Right. And the customers, I think, going, yeah, like you said, they don't care. It's a more mature... Well, R- Rivian's got the bird chirp when you unlock the doors. Yep, the which bird is chirp. that's not helpful because what if there's birds around? Dude, <laughs> I don't like. I, I didn't like that sound. When that guy said to me when it chirped, and I was like, "Oh, that's cute." And he goes, yeah. "We recorded that sound in Yosemite National Park." <laughs> I and I go, "Don't yes. ever say that to anybody else, <laughs> yes. please." <laughs> the, the, so you've driven uh, Rivian R1 T? Yes, we've S not yet? done the S yet. No, okay. just the T. Yeah, but um, I mean, I imagine it's. Similar vibe, right? Yeah, R1S is very close to R1T. I think R1T is better, my own impression. Um, I think Johnny said the same thing. We've heard okay. that from a, a couple. Oh, and Camisa. 
Oh, yeah. You said the ride okay. is much better on the T. Yeah, yeah, the ride is the big thing, for sure. Because they changed the wheelbase. Yeah, and I, I haven't driven it. I guess they software updated the suspension on the R1S Someone to be a bit did, better. Someone at Rivian texted me, because we talked about this with Johnny. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can now, in an update, have the car in the regular suspension mode and the range. Conserve, yep. Yeah, the mm-hmm. two-wheel drive nice. mode, which is something we complained about. It was a software update. Yeah. Thought the same thing when I had the review truck. When yeah. I got mine, it came. Like, why do I need to slam it on fucking cut springs in order to get? Dude, they ride like crap. <laughs> yeah. But also, they made that lowest ride height better. Oh, they did? It's not, you know, it still rides like crap. But yeah. it's, it's not like you're on the bump stops the whole time. It felt like cut springs. Yep. But, totally. like, in the city, I want to drive on two-wheel drive yeah. mode and regular suspension. It doesn't mode. actually save you that much range oh, really? using conserve really yeah i mean the two-wheel versus four-wheel thing i find at least for my truck because we're going to keep it for a while i'm like well we're just putting more stress into the front motors we'll just keep it locked up huh. all the time but they physically disconnect the rear motors yeah because they're all permanent magnet motors so they have flux related losses unlike an induction motor so there's a clutch back there that if you unlock and lock a bunch of times i imagine oh yeah you know, i remember that you could yeah. hear it unlocking yep. when you do it yeah 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 but i have to say owning the Rivian has been uh, an eye-opening experience as to how to take care of your customers. They do the best updates. They give you all the details. They have little events. It's just as a as an owner of one, they've done an amazing job. Did of you go to that the truck. place in Venice while you were here? Yeah, I've been there. Yeah. Take a little gardening class, something? I, I haven't done anything like that. But uh, yeah, went there, filmed a video. I thought that was neat. I don't think it, that's a lot of money to spend on something that you're just ultimately housing people for free. The building? Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm, I don't really understand the point of it, except that I think if you're not going to have dealerships, then you sure, know, it's maybe a touch point. you'll sell some mm. trucks in Venice to those people. Like, but They don't have a sales problem at the moment. If it, what do they do if they have to service your car? Come um, pick it up and take it? It's some. had to go in a couple times, and... Um, I just bring it. They they offer to come to my house. Um, what did it and, have to go in for? Because earlier you said it's been very reliable. Yeah, yeah, it's been reliable. I had to do that uh, recall that everyone uh, had to do. It took three the minutes. Cover? No, it was like a suspension bolt situation. Oh, yeah, right. right. Yeah. Check the yeah. torque of your suspension bolts or something. Yep. So I just was down in Denver. I live one hour north of Denver in Fort Collins. So I was down in Denver anyway, and I drove by. No appointment. They just torque wrench. Boop. Done. Super easy. Where did you drive by? There's a service center in oh, Denver. Oh, there is. Okay. In Denver, every other car is a Rivian. Huh, I've only sense. seen one here in California this week. You can't drive down the street without seeing five oh, really? in Colorado. Oh, interesting. I, they must have prioritized our market or something because Rivians are in every corner. There, I mean, there are a bunch of them here. I, I see at least a few a day. I mean, that's the Caribbean just the, market. Like, yeah. It, yeah. It just is. But uh, I... I guess the most recent thing that happened was, you know, sometimes when you park cars with air suspension, they'll they'll settle down over time. So I posted on Twitter I was gone for a week or whatever. My truck was just sitting on the bump stops. Oh. Mm-hmm. And so got a call from Rivian, and they said, hey, we saw your Twitter post. Uh, why don't you schedule a service appointment? So schedule- When you started the car, did it raise back yeah, up? Yeah, it was okay. fine. But I, it must have had a low leak somewhere. Uh-huh. Temperature also dropped a lot, so I don't know. I didn't sure. think anything much of it, at least. But uh, scheduled the uh, appointment through the app. The service center called and was like, oh, actually, we don't see any issue with your truck. You're good to go. But I'm like, well, someone at Rivian said that they checked into my truck and I gave them permission to access and they want you to look at it. And so then I go to pick up the truck a couple days later from the service center. They're like, we've replaced all air compressors (laughs) and your left rear strut. And I'm like... There wasn't anything wrong, was there? And they're like, no. No, but you have a Twitter account with <laughs> yes. a lot of people. Exactly. Yeah. So I think that was a little, I was like, okay, uh, yep, 
they yeah. definitely did not. They just wanted to take care of that all stuff. Sure. Yeah. Well, the truck's okay. been. I, I. That's my daily driver. And you've towed with it a lot. A I lot mean, of towing. We, I, although, even though we did just say that that's not really good for that, but mm-hmm. like, what has your actual real world experience been? The, the what driving, are you towing and where? Yeah, I mean, average weight's probably six to eight thousand pounds on the back. Okay. So a twenty something foot long trailer with usually a car or two uh-huh. on the back. Um, and uh, yeah, so I towed a Lucid from Colorado to LA. Uh, just I thought it'd make a good video, so we put okay. a Lucid on the back, and the the truck towing portion has all the power in the world, all the stability. The suspension compensates for a whole bunch of stuff. It's mm-hmm. got the hydraulic things. Tows better than the F one fifty Lightning, actually, from a stability standpoint. Mm-hmm. The range isn't that bad while towing. Do you think the stability is better because it has the extra motors versus the Lightning, or it's just software suspension? Oh, it's got because of the magic yeah, it's suspension. It's an F-150 with soft suspension. It sure. squats down. You can feel it float. It's not bad. I mean, the F-1, the Lightning is an F-150. Yep. It's every bit of an F-1. When we drove it at Pikes Peak, it was like, oh. Yeah, you had the red one there. Yeah, yeah. Like, so we did a lot with that truck. Sorry. Yeah. It was very nice. <laughs> yeah, it was, it I mean, it was an yeah, excellent good. product, but like, it drives like a fucking F-150, whereas the Rivian has that real luxury car you know, the McLaren suspension. Totally. As a one vehicle solution, I don't think the Rivian can be beat yeah. because it can, it's really great in the canyons. I mean, it, it rips. It's shockingly fast. It's yeah, unbelievable. And it actually gets too stiff. Like I backed the suspension off yeah. a little bit. I remember, didn't we do that? We yep. put it in regular suspension mode with performance yep. uh, drive well, mode. sport mode, you'd hit a bump and then your foot would bounce and then you'd accelerate. Oh, the yes. fucking bouncy the, pedal. Yeah. The pedal the is bad pedal. in the truck yeah. and there's no software it's update just responsive. It's But like it's also super long so to get to wide open throttle you're like extending your yeah. foot but the handling was good and the steering feel was good which steering's was amazing impressive. Yeah. very impressive yeah. yeah did you have the sport wheels on yours the 22s no we had the 20s oh even yeah. though the 20s is good. i have the which 22s on mine yeah and really good at that it ripped i mean the drive-bys were very quick on the we were on a fairly tight canyon and yeah. we were like this is it like a really lifted fast. gtr yeah, yeah but it was it's, fast. if you just need one car to do it all that's that it's got plenty of range the the really the only issues with the rivian from my usage are sometimes the bed's not big enough. Like a Lightning would be better. I wish they had more power outlets on the truck mm-hmm. so I could do 240 volt out, all that stuff that yeah, Lightning's the, got. They've got, that they've got rocks. outlets. Yeah. So good. I mean, like I we brought our Twizy up to the mountains and I could not charge it while I was up there unless I had a Lightning. Oh, like yeah. That would have been because I need 240 volt power for it. Mm-hmm. And uh, so will that yeah. run a level two charger? The F 150? Yeah. You can plug itself into itself. So you can do 240 volt out through a charger and then plug it into the charge port and do this continuous loop <laughs> of just slight losses. Really? <laughs> yes. But so the Twizy, you can't plug it into a 110? No, because it has a Euro charger. Oh. Yeah, it needs, it's technically 230, but our 240 is pretty close. It works on 208 as well, actually. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, the Twizy's awesome. <laughs> I got to bring that out here at some point. It, it, was it imported as some test vehicle from like Bosch or one of those guys? Yeah, the name of the company escapes me who brought it in. Nimbus was yeah. what it was. But, uh, you know, the Twizy's actually been my, my legitimate dream car. This is everything I've dreamed of owning. I don't know why, but I love if it. They're weird. When this you see them in Europe, they're they're very funky. I just, you, how could you have a bad day driving that thing around? You know what I mean? <laughs> so uh, I was like, I've always said to our audience, you know, if you ever see one for sale, I know there were some in the U.S., you know, tag me because I will, yeah. whatever it is, I don't care what the price is, I'm buying that thing. How much was it? 
Uh, nine grand. Oh, yeah, not bad. That's like what? Yeah, yeah. So I that's mean, like fucking throwaway money for something that awesome. So I was like, I'll pay thirty grand for this thing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it was on eBay, and I just hit like, oh my god, buy now. Yeah. And I woke up from a nap, and we were driving somewhere, and um, yeah, I was just like, oh, load up the email. Holy smokes! Wow. And uh, it was in Michigan. And uh, while I was picking it up, they had some other cool stuff there. So I bought uh, something called a Carver, which I haven't oh, told our really? audience yet. Yeah, you bought a Carver. I bought a Carver. That's hilarious. And so I haven't told this. So is, I'm making the announcement. So I bought a Carver. Yeah. Weird connection. Wesley Snipes drives a Carver in Demolition Man. Oh, really? Yeah. So the Carver, uh, this it's one. It's a leaning trike. Yeah. So I, it's the slow one. It's the only one in the U.S. is my understanding. <laughs> and so I got the Carver. I don't know. It's got like four kilowatt output. So it's what's that? Oh, they made, Nine a, they made a uh, gas one before. Early. Yeah. That was in the 90s. They had a gas one. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what Wesley Snipes was driving. Okay. In the English, man. This is the electric one. It's fully electric. Okay. I think it's pretty slow. It's just a novelty thing. Um but I, it was just there. I'm like, what is this doing here? And they're like, oh, like, we're selling I'll take it too. this too. Yeah. So uh, I got to go mean, back to Michigan. I mean, it is kind of funky. Is it, is it? Have you driven it yet? No. Okay. I, I can't imagine <laughs> what I would do with it, to be honest. But I just mean, drive around the parking lot. That's pretty crazy. I mean, would you run about town just like you would in the Twizy? Or uh, I don't it, know how I'm going to register that. Someone asked that on your page actually about the yeah. Twizy. Did you register that or no? I've just been driving it. Oh, no, no plates, no problem. <laughs> yeah, I'm driving mean, the snow wait, here. Wait, so like, the Twizy, Durifto's? like, it's, it, it was in, was it registered ever in America? No, okay. it has a German title, oh. but it's legal to be here, but it's not an American titled car. Okay. So it's technically allowed to be here for engineering evaluation. Uh -huh. I'm like, well, who's to say we aren't evaluating? Sure. It's on vacation, but it can't and get a so, work visa. <laughs> yeah, right. Yes, basically 100%. So, I mean, like, we can drive it around on private property. We took it up to uh, uh, a snow course up in, uh, in Copper Mountain this week. We were doing big skids with it. It was great. I mean, well, I don't know how it is in Colorado, but you go through enough cars that you are purchasing that you should really become a dealer. No, this is the idea, or actually a manufacturer. Because you're manufacturing something? Well, we have the intent, maybe. Well, who's to say we don't have the intent? And we're only <laughs> benchmarking the finest cars, which would be a Twizy and a Carver. or And then I would want to get a Citroen Me. <laughs> I mean, that would be <laughs> ballsy. So if you got an M-plate, that would be amazing. How hard can it be? You see all these crappy little companies have M-plates that uh, don't have a product. That's interesting. I don't know. I don't know. I've and never then, even like, looked into R34 it. And then R34 GTRs. M plates. You can you do you do that on a dealer plate too. Oh, dealer. Yeah, okay. dealer, you yeah. get a dealer type. So I don't think it's actually going to be hard to figure this out. I haven't put the time into yeah, it. Yeah, just but become a dealer. You'll yeah. solve that in yeah. two seconds. Um, yeah, so that's yeah. kind of the idea. And that's uh, pretty fun. Nine up. grand. That's yeah. a lot of car for nine grand. Dude, it's made so many people so happy. Yeah. And it's just. Um, Is it actually fun to drive? Yeah. Other than being like weird and stupid. Well, we just tuned it. So how, does, how do you tune it? They make a tuning box for it so you That's can unlock hysterical. the power. And there's this dude in Norway who chops up iPACE batteries uh -huh. and gives you like twice the battery capacity. So you go really? from six kilowatt hour to 13. Oh, And yeah. then he has a motor upgrade so we can have a race twizzy. Oh, so you're buying all that shit. Oh, all of it. Yes. Yeah. I don't know how I'm going to ship it. How yet. do you ship that? I don't yeah. know. Okay. I don't know. But uh, <laughs> I don't know. As soon, I just love the love Maybe the you twizzy. could come... Maybe you could bring him to Colorado and you could buy your own iPace mm. and chop it up locally. That'd make a good video. Yeah. 
We I bought. You can work uh, with Rich Rebuilds. Yeah, I know. Maybe, Rich really maybe well. the yeah. guy could could give Rich the the kit. And Rich could shop up an iPace for you. Well, Rich has a business called Electrified Garage. Right. And they do EV servicing and Yeah, and they fix like salvage fucking yeah. garbage cars and stuff. Yep, it's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah, we're friends with all those guys. They do great work, honestly. Um, yeah, a lot of options for the Twizy, but... Um, awesome. Yeah, love that thing. Had Fits a great in the trip. bed of a Rivian, amazingly enough. Really does. And the, the rear end is not sagging. Well, it's got air suspension. Yeah, yeah. it compensates. Yeah. It that? only weighs a thousand pounds. Well, I'm un- well under payload. Oh, wow. Yeah, it weighs nothing. You can pick. You and I can pick that thing up. That rules. Yeah, um, I guess the cool thing about being on this show is we don't necessarily have to talk about electric cars, which is I feel sometimes boxed into my world of my audience only cares about EVs. I mean, it's... Well, it sounds like you're building an EV content <laughs> empire with the goal yeah. of buying R34 Skylines. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't, I don't necessarily want an R34. That's like when, but... I met, when I met Mate Ramatz, yeah. and I was like, what is your what is your, uh, what is your dream car? He's like, Carrera GT. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, so you're going to sell all these EVs so you can buy Carrera GT? He's like, yes, exactly. But I think that's kind of the, the thing. There's very few, so like EV content creators out there typically come from the tech world, right. and they're just now getting into cars and there's very yeah. few of uh, there's a, maybe a handful of maybe five or six of guys like me who came from the combustion enthusiast world mm-hmm. and is trying to figure out what what evs can be sure so i'm trying to assemble slowly but surely like the dream collection of cars from when i was growing up like what my parents were driving mm-hmm. uh, so like you know nice cars from 20 years ago so i bought an ls 400 for five Great grand. Car. Great choice. Great yep. car. Love Truly. it. And bought it from a guy here, Driven Dave on YouTube. Shout out. Dave's awesome. And uh, thing's got 230,000 miles. As you would know, they run forever. Yeah, yeah that's yep. not. You're just getting going. Just out of break-in period. Sits yeah. at 150 <laughs> like nothing. It's amazing how great that car yeah, is. it is one of the best cars ever made. Yep. And uh, so that's that's pretty cool. And then just kind of shopping for random old 7 Series that are going to break the bank with repairs. Oh, E38? That's yeah. why you're going the other yeah. way. You like yeah, the and even luxury. the generation after that, the bangle butt stuff. Oh, you don't want one of those. Yeah, I kind of do because I think it would make an interesting YouTube they're just, story. They're just not good. Yeah. They're not even even a great one is just not a, it doesn't look good. They don't drive particularly well. The interfaces aren't good. Like an E thirty eight, at least it's like well, that's a gorgeous. That's the car. most beautiful BMW. Yeah, it's all a time. gorgeous yes, car, I and agree. like it, it's uh, the the two thousand and two car. Like, yeah, that's I just love not it. a good car. I love it. Even and a best <laughs> case scenario is not not a good car. So I'm in for looking for those. Looking for like the Jag XJRs of that generation. And they're all uh, all of these cars are like ten grand or less. Pretty well, that that yeah. that era XJ is a reasonably well made car. Yeah, that's seven series. And I just remember trash. the I remember the press footage of the XJR full skids with their chief engineer. Yeah, and I was like, true. I don't know, ten year old Kyle watching this, being like, this is the coolest thing ever. Yeah. So just want to have like the weird collection of cheap old yeah, cars skip, around. Skip these. No, these I gotta have one of series. those. They it's suck. a good thing that Kyle's very familiar with electricity and how it works, because there's gonna be a lot of problems you're gonna have <laughs> yeah. to fire. I'm like, not a good sort a lot of shit out. Yeah, not a I, I feel you on some level, but not yeah, this yeah. BMW. My dad had yeah. one. It was a fucking shitbox. Yeah, we had some in our Yeah. Did Spinelli ditch his Jag? You still have that thing? I think he still has it. Is that what he was driving? Yeah. He's got an XJR, nice. yeah. That's cool. He had Very to go nice. in for some repairs for a little bit, but he, he drove for like four years. It might even problems. be a 100. I don't know. I, his his could be a 100. I have to look. Hmm. I, I don't know, a, but me and Chris Harris pressured him into buying it. That's cool. 
I got he just bought it while he was in the bathroom using his account, I think. Oh, like, yeah, we, it up. No, we were bidding on it while he was logged in on, to like, bring a, bring a trailer. trailer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I spent all day on bring a trailer and, then and he bought a Jaguar. That's awesome. Let's go to the Patreon. We have some things. I bet we do. If you want to ask questions of our guests, catch our show live. And speaking of live, we got a doubleheader today. We've got Mr. Ian Tyrrell of Ian Tyrrell's Workshop in England is coming in at uh, 2 o'clock Pacific. Uh, oh, here we go. $10 homie. Someone listens to Are You Garbage. Are You Garbage posted the funniest clip I've ever fucking heard this morning. Pharmacy? Which oh. was, are you, is it garbage if you're a cop and have arrested members of your own family? And the <laughs> response to that is fucking incredible. You should listen to Are You Garbage if okay, you haven't. Okay, not familiar. Great, uh, great podcast. Okay. Um, do you, uh, Ranger Danger. Do you believe that we as consumers are going to have to become proficient with all of the electric battery jargon to have a good EV ownership experience? Or is this language comparable to non-EV enthusiasts have a dip, deeper interest in their car? Interesting, but not necessary for functional everyday use. Good question. Yeah, great question. I think at the end of the day, people are going to charge at home. Yeah. They're going to see a range number on their dash and know that's how far it can go. An EV is simpler to operate than a combustion vehicle. You put it in D and go. There's no shifting. Yeah. There's no warm-up time. So I think at the end of the day, we're going to see less knowledge when it comes to electric vehicle ownership than than even combustion. I kind of agree. I mean, the, the people who are – for every Kyle or Jason Fenske mm -hmm. or, or even me, you know, who is definitely a step below that – You've got people like my wife or just some fucking Hollywood executive or some random LMU college student up here driving a Tesla, and it's just how many miles do I have and how many minutes remain on my charging experience, Yep, and that's pretty much all they need to know. And that's all that should matter. You should – every electric car needs three things, which is – on or good route planning. So if you have to take a trip, it will tell you where to stop mm -hmm. and where the stops need to be. You need stations available. Yeah. It needs to precondition the battery on the way there so it's warm and ready to charge fast, especially in winter time in Colorado. It That's needs a big to prioritize issue. Quick chargers. Yeah, it needs to have great ID4? route planning. Yeah. yeah, ID4 has terrible route planning. Yeah. And then it needs to have plug and charge where you don't mm -hmm. need an app, you don't need a credit card, you plug in and it juices. And that's that will make EVs work. Plug and charge masses. works for me about 50% of the time. Yeah, it's called ISO 15118, and there's a lot of certificate communication <laughs> issues with it. <laughs> it's annoying. Uh, yeah. Uh, Lucas says, uh, what happened to discounted insurance with the installation of OBD2 sensors that report on your driving? It seemed like an imminent dystopian future, but it seems to have fizzled. Uh, I remember being uh, being uh, offered that thing. I forget what it was called. Uh, it was called... Yep, not sure. I forget. Mm -hmm. I remember being offered it, but I, I, was, I had no interest in actually doing it, and I think they've stopped... Uh, Progressives was called Snapshot Rewards for Snapshot. your good driving. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you just plug a thing in and. Yeah, but are they not doing that anymore? I thought I think, they were. I think they probably I think they still, still are. I think, are. I think they, they stopped advertising it as yeah. much, but that's just how things You know, work. Tesla offers their own insurance now. I'm sure they do. And they penalize you if you drive after 10 p.m. Really? Yep. Because more accidents. I, I don't. I have no. PM. I would never put it on my car. I don't need them having yeah. all that data. They probably do. Have they have that the data, data already, but they're not but insuring me. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. that's pretty wild. 
Yeah, I don't know what would happen if they saw how our cars used on track and stuff. Sure. And then like we go to insure with the, no clue. Yeah, no, I I definitely remember being offered that progressive snapshot thing and being like, fuck no. Right. <laughs> and uh, yeah, no, I mm-hmm. I would say do not allow an insurance company to install a tracking device on your car. Yep. Uh, Dave Kerwood. Question for Kyle. What emerging safety features can we expect to see in EVs from a firefighting perspective? Our first responders are having a heck of a time dealing with EV fires uh, because of all the other problems. Yeah, good question. I think a lot of like EV lovers will say like, oh, the percentage of battery fires is so much less than a combustion vehicle and you're driving around with a tank full of combustible fluid compared to a battery pack. However, he's really onto something here. Fighting an EV fire is difficult in the sense that they require a ton of water. And so- Tens of thousands of gallons. There's a lot more I don't know the number. I remember I read about a fire in LA and it was just like, they hook the hose up to the hydrant and just sit there for hours, like just dumping water on it. When you have a thermal runaway of a battery, it just doesn't really stop. Mm -hmm. So in Europe, they actually have these tanks they dump the whole car in. Like shipping containers. (laughs) Yeah, it's pretty cool, actually. It's like one of those bomb box, bomb disposal units. So I think at the end of the day, yes, it happens So they bring like a tanker truck full of water and then crane the fucking burning car and dunk it in the tank? It's something like that. That's crazy. I overshot. It was 6,000 gallons. 6,000. Yeah, I heard about that. That's like a pool. Yeah. Yeah. It requires a ton of water. Um, But yeah, they happen infrequently, but I think there's really not enough training as to how to take care of it. And then different batteries burn differently. Like LFP should have different characteristics than NCM. Like LFP doesn't really catch on fire. I don't know what happens if it does or if it can. Not Demolition Man tells us that the cars will turn into cannolis. Secure phone. <laughs> okay. can always go to Demolition Man to see what the future is. Uh, uh, Sean uh, Finney says, electric cars are often criticized for not having the character of their internal combustion counterparts. How would you add character to an electric car? I wouldn't. Totally agree. I would I would really emphasize the other virtues of an electric car. There are a bunch of times in my driving life where I want fucking silence and I want smoothness and I don't want vibrations. I spend most of my life in goddamn traffic and I get I am more relaxed when I get somewhere in an electric car than when I get somewhere in a gas car. Totally, right there with you, couldn't have said it better. At the end of the day, if you want experience, buy a combustion car for the weekends. Yeah. Have that, fu- I'll be the last one with the manual transmission, you can't rip it from me, you know what I mean? But for daily driving, yeah, electric, sure. don't make it anything other than it is. Um, Richard H says, principles or pragmatism? Basically, can't stand the culture of Tesla, but I'm tempted to lease a rear-wheel drive Model 3 for 400 bucks a month. Uh, I'm not thrilled about the lack of this and that that it comes with, uh, but it seems like I could get that car for what a Civic goes for, and as an everyday economy car, not a bad choice. What do you? What should I do? Yeah, well, um to be honest, we, as someone who has a YouTube audience, we have people who are Elon super fans and people who absolutely hate Elon. But when you drive the car, for me, and this is just me speaking, I'm not really thinking about the company, I'm not thinking about the guy who creates the company, there are annoying things, and if you drive a Tesla, you do get a little <laughs> bit of the like Elon super fan vibe. At the end of the day, the Model 3, to be totally honest, is at the top of my recommend list for an EV because it's the easiest car to own. You have the best app, everything works, best charging network, 
good driver assistance, not for full self-driving, but for basic driving. And uh, for 400 bucks a month, get a Model 3 LFP battery, full charge that thing every day. It's a great car. Do you think, you were saying earlier that the Model 3s seem like they're nicer and the quality's gone up and yeah. the SS has gone down. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's because they know that the, their volume sales are Model 3s and Model Ys and let's impress new customers, whereas the luxury space is getting more competitive, so they're pulling resources out of that? or It's hard to say. I mean, the car is simpler, so mm-hmm. there's less stuff to go wrong. There's less points of rattle, things like that. The Model S has a huge hatchback in the back, which is a hard... That's where most of the rattles come from in right. mine and my dad, who also had a Model S. Um, I think it's a, a production numbers thing. They just build a lot more Model 3s and Ys and have been able to... We've seen it because we've reviewed cars from you know five years ago to now. Every few months, we take a look at them and they've just gotten better. They went through a, a period where they were really bad, like 20... 19-ish was really bad. But now they're really solid solid vehicles. And they drive great, to be honest. My impression is I think the Model 3 is my like automotive reset. If I review a car and it can't match what a Model 3 can do, it's like, okay, that's the benchmark. Sure. <clears throat> Jake says, um, what is the most underrated or forgotten EV for sale currently? Example, the e-Golf. Seems like Volkswagen doesn't market them when they could be a huge hit. Uh, well, EGOF's not on sale anymore. But e-tron. Uh, e-tron. The, the, not the GT. The no. regular e-tron. Yeah. I have a full-size e-tron, and it's the most comfortable car you can imagine. It charges amazing, just 150 kilowatts to 80% and beyond. And, uh, yeah, every, not, no one thinks about it. It's a relatively short range, though, right? Mm, like, terrible range. So why does it charge so well, but it all but it doesn't have the... The range. Yeah, well, it, they're not really uh, a metric of each other. Etron's so heavy, and it's an early EV. It's not super efficient from a design perspective. Actually, we think Audi went out of their way to make it inefficient. I don't know how you could make a car drink so much <laughs> juice. It's terrible. But uh, what you make up for it is in a Tesla, they charge really fast to about 30 35%. And my Model S, it comes off of peak at around 33%. The Etron holds its peak charging rate all the way deep into the battery pack. Mm. So in a, in a normal electric car, you're leaving charging stations, like our cannonballing method was pull out at 30, 40% and arrived in the next station dead. But in an e-tron, you can actually charge fast all the way deep. So your actual road tripping time is no different. You're just well, using deeper cycles. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, okay. it's a great car. It really is. Okay. <clears throat> uh, Sam Hotchkiss. Uh, with the given the rise of strong competition with better build quality and without the baggage of Elon, what do you think the future of Tesla looks like? Will they still be making cars in ten years? Uh, I had a fifteen Model S, now drive a Rivian, and will likely never buy another Tesla. I mean, they'll probably still be making cars in ten years. I think they will be. Um, I mean, they'll probably still be making these cars in ten years. It's possible. <laughs> Model Three is apparently just about to get a refresh. Ooh. Um, I think Tesla's energy business is where it's at, personally. I don't invest in automakers. I don't, you know, as, as someone who reviews stuff, I don't take anything from them and I don't uh, invest in them. So I have no financial ties to this. But I think their energy business is going to be really awesome in just a few years. Their mega packs, their grid scale stuff, the way that they integrate. Honestly, if Tesla wants to make a killing with EVs, they should package up their superchargers and sell it to third parties. That's not. A, I, they yeah, they have a supercharger like 
kit they're installing now, right? That's like a prefab genius. supercharger. The system. cars are great, but what, where Tesla is really excelling is, is in their energy business, their charging products there. I don't know about their solar, but their stationary energy the storage. kind of like not real. Yeah, they, I don't hear many <laughs> installs of that. Yeah. 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 yeah, I don't know. Uh, Ivan Capote, what useful features could we, or could we, should we retrofit into older ICE cars besides batteries and, and motors from EVs? Wait, what cool features can we put into retrofit older cars? Uh, I mean... Uh, I mean, besides those, EVs are basically the same as yeah, combustion cars. Like, yeah. the window switches and all of those other things are... I would say right. nothing. I was going to say nothing. Yeah. yeah. I don't... I don't Keep them old. I don't yeah. want... Yeah, I don't need that. I mean, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't need that. I'm going to go with nothing, Ivan. Sorry. Tim says, is the Rivian slide-out kitchen a real product consumers can buy? I've only ever seen it in Rivian promotional vehicle uh, videos or overlanding expos. I'm sure it is, but how many people really want a kitchen in their car? No, they, they're not making it. Oh, really? Yeah, or at least it's delayed indefinitely or something really? like that. A lot of their accessories are delayed indefinitely. I ordered it with my truck, and oh, like, you if did? you want it, you got to delete that thing. No way. Yeah. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I was wrong. So why do, you, why do you think the holdup is? Is there a supply chain issue, or is it just... I have no idea. Rivian's a startup company. I think they they spend a lot of time on their marketing, their presentation, their uh-huh. their perfect ideal world. And honestly, they put their time into building a really solid product. The R1S and R1T are fantastic, but a lot of the accessories from them don't exist. Oh, wow! How interesting. Mm-hmm. I did not uh, know that. Okay. Yeah, or at least yet. I think the plan is for them still to come. I don't know. Okay. Uh, James King says, "Which do you like, the smart?" The electric smart or the Twizy? Which do you prefer? Mm. I think it's got to be the Twizy. Yeah, for sure. Uh, last question, Derek Yegan. Thoughts on BMW's color-changing body panels? I'm, I'm into it uh, mainly because of police evasion. <laughs> That's awesome. It was a red BMW 7 Series, and I saw a cannonball run, too. Yep. I yep. know how this shit works, bro. I think it's cool. I love new tech into cars, but for me, it's all about the mechanicals that excite me. Yeah, I mean, and also we've been able to wrap cars, yeah. so it's like you could change the color of your Sounds car. Expensive. I realize you can change it in real time, but uh, imagine getting into a crash with that. How expensive it would be to fix I that. I interviewed the woman who created it for yeah. a video. Yeah, she was really cool. I think she was Australian or South African. I can't remember her name. She was brilliant. Super, super brilliant. And I did it when the IX had the black and white color right, thing. Right. And then this year at CES, they did the multiple color panels. Mm-hmm. And uh, they really uh, are going in on these things. But personally, it's a concept. I really hate concepts. So <laughs> I mean, it seems like every couple of years there's a company that says, like, look at the color changing body panels. I remember maybe five years ago, a company had cameras on one side of the car. And then they were driving the and all these car. screens, and then it would mm. just like show what's behind the car in front of the car, it and they would, would yeah. like disappear. And it's just, I don't know, it's an interesting thing to show tech. I think if they if they made this cheap, it would be super popular because people would love to change their car's color like every day, like shoes. But the cost, the yeah. weight, wires, battery drain, like all these things, it just seems like it would be a long ways away. Yeah, very, it doesn't very, seem very expensive practical in any way. To no. me. <laughs> Sorry, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, but luxurious things rarely are. I was yeah. just up at uh, Canapas, Bruce Canapas, and uh, and he was showing me a car he had in his museum, which was a Porsche 907 race car. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, 1966 or 67, eight-cylinder car, uh, prototype shape, beautiful car. And uh, and he showed this 
uh, a number plate on the side of the car that lit up and it didn't have light bulbs behind it. It didn't have a light shining on it. It was a glowing number plate built into the door from uh, 1967 for for like night for Lamar. Really? Yeah. So like weight wasn't a consideration for no, that? No, it was very thin and somehow okay. they had electrodes in there wow. and it was very light. It didn't it didn't change and the car was like 1400 pounds or something. That's it was amazing. cool as fuck. That's yeah, amazing. it was awesome. It was like a, an actual illuminated body panel. You've been doing a lot of NASCAR stuff. I mean, I mean, we went to a race. We went to yeah. Do you bit. think there's more they could do with the lighting on the side of the cars, make it more exciting, like show a giant first place or second place on the car stuff? Well, like that? I thought they did it. I mean, they do a very good job with the the jumbotrons. Yes. So Amazing. I mean, in the at the Coliseum, you don't really need to see that because you could see on the jumbotron. Um, for endurance racing, I think they're experimenting with stuff like that, where it shows what sure, what I've place they're in. Yep. Um, you know, it depends entirely on if it's legible at 200 miles an hour. <laughs> you know, oh, that's know. a good point. I don't know. These things are freaking ripping. They're, they're, they're not just by. So, so yeah. I mean, I think a, a static display, if you're at a race, is probably just as good, mm-hmm. if not better, than having it on the car. Um, I mean, I think there's fun things they could do with lighting in general. Um, and, and But, uh, yeah. I think the the reason that that it works for the endurance racing is because very often they're at tracks. You know, a NASCAR circuit is is lit like a it's a stadium. It's a big stadium. So the whole track is super lit up. You know, you can really see very well and they have jumbotrons and that big tower thing. If you're on the side of the of of the fucking Mulsanne Strait or somewhere, you know, <laughs> yeah. at, at Le Mans in the middle of the night or Sebring, yep. uh, and you can't see any of those centralized uh, things, I think it makes more sense for those cars. What about electric racing? Have you seen it, Formula E? I have. Mm-hmm. I it's don't so find it boring. to be particularly yeah. interesting. It sucks. It's very boring. Yeah. I mean, I think, I, you know, it. The pl- there's places where it makes so much sense, like Pikes Peak. Totally. You know, the, the electric cars are really fast up, Pike Speak, and the fact that they don't have that. Why are they running in experimental class or some shit? Why mm-hmm. is there not an EV class? There's like 14 classes at Pike Speak. Be. Be yeah. I mean, just, yeah. And there's no chargers yeah. there either. There's no support for EVs. Yeah. 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 Well, they could, they, could, uh, they could roll up with that Optima rig that they're using yeah. for. Um, uh, Hammer. King, King of the, of the Hammers. Hammers. Yep. You know, they've, they, they're they a portable-ish. It, it's not particularly environmentally friendly to run these diesel generators, but it's not any worse than just a regular semi-truck sure. uh, for that particular, for the event. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it works like Nitro Rallycross is starting to use yeah. the EV rally cars, yeah. right? And for yeah. that, like, the racing is so exciting to me. And there's jumps and sliding and contact. And they, they don't sound give a cool. Shit about, and they you sound hear the cool. motors on those things. Yeah. Like, they're insane. Yeah. But yeah. with Formula E, when the racing is so neat and tidy like Formula One tends to be, and it's so quiet, yeah. it's like you've removed one of the o- the last pieces of drama from re- wheel-to-wheel racing, which is yeah. the sound. And mm-hmm. now it's just like neat and tidy and then the weird voting system with like points and acceleration. And that was just – that was a mess. I yeah. think the big miss for Formula E was there was no uh, uh, lineage back to a production car to show that something was developed mm. yeah. with Formula E and made it into a production car. With, with Formula One – there's a ton of that. Sure. Like Mercedes turbocharging tech coming right. from Formula One, all that stuff. Dual clutch cool. transmission. But yeah. it has yeah. to start with with good racing, with entertaining yeah. racing. If sure. the racing's not entertaining, and you know who else gives a shit? Mm-hmm. Another fun alternative uh, thing I learned from uh, Canapa this past week. He has he has an an Audi uh, R10 
TDI. Oh, the, man. So he, cool. He has the only one that's owned by anybody outside of Audi. And the only one in private hands. Wow. wow. And he said he's he's trying to figure out how to, to make it run. Mm. And... He, and he says, he goes, you want to hear something funny? He goes, when I bought this, the first thing they told me is, don't put diesel in this. And, I, and he goes, what do you mean? I thought it's diesel. And, he, and, it's, and they're like, look, it is compression ignition like a diesel, but this car does not run on diesel. No way. Really? It runs on some fucking crazy chemical <laughs> that is most certainly not diesel. I had no and, idea. Yeah, shocking, right? Wait, why, why, yeah, of course. Right? This, is, this is back in the diesel days. Did Audi buy them all back? Because I remember seeing videos of these with like tunes on them, and they were fast as fuck. No, like, it's just a race, race car. cars. Oh. The Lamar car, the car that won. Were you thinking like Touareg? No, 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 no. I'm talking about the car that won Lamar for six years in a row. Okay, I'm with you now. That like Tom Christensen and Alan McNish were driving. Yeah, the prototype, open top prototype diesel race car. That does not run on diesel. But says TDI on the side. Yeah, it runs on some some you know diesel adjacent. Yes. You know, it was thing. It was the show car for when Audi wanted to TDI the world. Right. They had like the A3, Q7, Dude, Q5. JF and I went on the Audi mileage marathon, which in hindsight was like the biggest fucking scam. What's going. a mileage marathon? The press launch was journalists um, like. Uh, like um, like relay racing these cars across the whole country. Interesting. It was like a roving press launch for a week. Wow. And so That's JF and I drove from like, I don't know, New York to St. Louis oh, or so something. Did a leg. We did a leg and then the next journalist took the car and kept going and huh. it was like whoever got the uh, whoever got the, the best fuel economy, you know, and, at, and, and JF and I got like I mean, I think we got like 36 miles a gallon in a hmm. Q7 or something. Oh, wow. Which those, I mean, look, my mom had a diesel, a Q7. It was fucking awesome. They are everywhere in Colorado. <laughs> it was awesome. You don't see any older Q7s except the TDI ones because yeah. we're the last time They're before like Wyoming. They're like things. Yeah. yeah. So you're like peak Wyoming wealth when you roll up in a Q7 <laughs> TDI. If you have a Toreg V10 TDI, we got a few in town. It's still worth like 70 grand. They're awesome. Yeah, They're yeah. so cool. Yeah. I love those things. Well, uh, we got to end because we got to do another show. Yep. I'm sorry, we have a, we have a double header today on Sunday, but uh, thanks for coming back and uh, doing radio with us, Kyle. It's always good to get your perspective. You have a lot of expertise in this area, and you're you're trying to do the do the right thing. And thank you. And uh, I I don't even know what to plug. Don't plug anything. Uh, don't virtual worry about Kyle it. on Instagram. I'll use out Instagram of spec more. reviews. Uh, out of spec on Twitter. It's Kyle Connor on Twitter. That's the one. Rate your charge. Rate your, yeah, is a everyone, good one. Rate your charge. Yeah, if you, so that's if what we're you building. Are, if you're uh, charging out in the wild, uh, rate your charge for sure. And and whole lot of shit going on. Can't wait to see more adventures with the Twizzy. It looks like a fun in the snow. That seems rad. We're going to do a bunch with it. I think at the end of the day, just on a final thought note, uh, EVs, uh, early days. It's rocky, but I think sure. at the end of it, I'm not sure electric is the end-all, be-all solution, but I can see this working. Uh, but a lot of work needs to be done, not so much on the vehicle side, but, of course, the full support on the back right. end. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, they need to get I, – I, whenever I'm at a charger, someone inevitably bitches at me about it not working fast enough or well enough. There's always a story. And I kind of go, yeah, you know, we're, we're 10 years from this being really good. I um, can't disagree. But also, you know, Americans – we have a bad habit of buying cars 
for the 105th percentile. It's the Range Rover thing. I might need to go to the top of that yeah, mountain. I'm a, I need a truck because I might have to move a couch one day. Like, right. As opposed to this works for 95% of what I do, and I can rent another car, borrow another car, or somehow get another car for that other exceptional thing. The perfect thing is a city EV. We need more of those. Yeah. And I'm not so much a hybrid guy. I think it's a bit unnecessary to have a combustion engine and an electric powertrain in one. Um, but yeah, if you just have a little city EV to tool around that does 90% of your driving and then keep your old gas car for the long trips, that's a good solution, I for think. For sure, for sure. Thanks for coming, dude. Thanks. Good show. And uh, for those of you uh, who have nothing else to do with your Sunday, we're back at 2 o'clock Pacific in 50 minutes with Ian Tyrrell of uh, Ian Tyrrell's Workshop. He famously uh, keeps Mr. Harry Metcalf's Lamborghinis running. He also has a great YouTube channel. And we're going to talk about fucking the opposite of this. We're going to talk about old fucking Italian <laughs> shit boxes that cost a million dollars. That's what we're going to be doing. I wish I was on that show. It'll Ian's be, great. Yeah, so that'll be fun. He's coming by in a little bit. And uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. And we'll see you later. Bye.